I'm a giant when I stand Ballin' like the Jets, start in Jersey like the Nets To New York like the Mets, yeah I win like the Yanks Like the past, spell a check, GNT Sports Talk How to show on the net, yeah On myself, yeah I bet, yeah I put blood to the switch, yeah From the East to the West, GNT Sports Talk How to show on the net, yeah Hat, shoes, tickets, what more could you want? Check out A-Style Clothing, Reebok, Awesome Seating, all for discounts on all these products. Now let's get the show started. What is up, everyone? We got a special edition of GNT Sports Talks presented by Grunt Talks. We're joined by Yankee supporter Justin Shackle. We had him on quite some time ago during the mix of the pandemic, and now we're back. We got baseball back. We're going to games again. It's been fun. Justin's been doing his thing on the field. And of course, I'm joined by my brother Bobby Thompson as well. So, uh, Justin, I'm going to ask you right away: What's been the best part about being back? Seeing familiar faces, um, you know, human interaction. Everyone was longing for that over the course of 2020. So, just being able to to be back in a building where you know so many people and getting to you know know um, players better, getting you know that FaceTime that you weren't able to have via a zoom room in, in 2020 being, you know, back down on the field, interacting during batting practice, seeing some of your, you know, your peers in the media, but, you know, for the people that I work with, with the actual organization, just seeing coworkers again, it's, uh, it's really, really nice. It, you know, it definitely beats being shacked up at home. I will say that definitely. I agree a hundred percent. And I believe it was about almost a year ago around this time, actually, that we had you on, which is pretty funny and pretty crazy, but I'll dive into it too. So being back, what have you seen from this Yankee team within the first half of the season? Well, I think they earned their record for that first half of the season. Um, You know, a lot of, a lot of stationary movement when they get on base, uh, you know, going station to station, kind of being a, a chore in getting to that next station. Um, just everything that everyone else kind of has pointed out in terms of that first half of the season, you know, the pitching had uh, its peaks and valleys, but overall pretty good. The bullpen hasn't even been at full strength this entire season. I think you're seeing bits and pieces of what it could be potentially in late July, August, and September, which is encouraging. But, uh, you know, as far as the offense, there's – David Cohn mentioned this a few weeks ago and I thought it, it just painted a, a, a great picture and summarized beautifully what kind of has gone on. It just feels like there's a, a glitch in the system somewhere. You know, it's, it's tough to put a finger on what exactly has caused these issues for this team. But I think above anything else, it has to do with players who've had a proven track records, not perform up to their expectations. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a real issue. I really think that, um, I think it's comes down to consistency. I really don't see any level of consistency anywhere, except if your name is Garrett Cole, in my opinion, that's it. But my question to you is right now, what have you seen from these young guys who have come up within the past couple of weeks? What do you think about them? I think it added a, a whole new dimension to the offense and, you know, it looks like it was much needed. The question is now, when some regulars get healthy, how do you try and keep these players? You know, a Greg Allen, an Esteban Florial. Those are the two that I'm really 
uh, you know, focused on. And, you know, had, and then Arugnet Odor, who's really come around and has, you know, he has an OPS plus over 100. He's an above average player. And you wouldn't have thought that maybe two months ago. So I think it's important to try and figure out a way where he can be a regular. I think it's really important right now, given this team's position, to take whatever is giving this lineup a spark and ride with it and ride it all the way into the ground. So I think it's important to keep those pieces, the Allens, the Floreals, and 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 the, and the Odors, and, and try and find a way for them to uh, to keep going, even when certain players come back. And obviously, you know, when Judge returns, you put him in. When Urshela returns, you put him in. When when Luke Voigt returns, you put him in. And and you, you kind of have to shoot one of the rest and, and find a way. I totally agree with that. This roster construction looks more flexible with the young guys so far. We're not saying that to bench those guys and make them back, obviously, because they got to play. But there's one thing that actually might help this, and I want to get your take on this. It's reported today that Giancarlo might play the outfield in the Fenway series, and I know they want to play him there for the Marlins series. So let's say we put Stan in left. We can do Allen and Florio in center. You put Judge in right. Maybe you could DH Odor and keep him in the lineup. You can do that. You can DH Voight. You can DH Gary Sanchez. You can obviously give Judge a breather and keep him fresh in the DH spot. But yeah, Voight is the guy that pops into my head first in terms of that DH spot with Stanton playing in left field. I think it's really important that he's able to move out of a DH only role, get back into left field. Uh, you know, you can DH Judge in certain days and have Stanton play right field. But right off the bat, I see Voight getting those reps in at DH, you have DJ, you know, moving to first base, Odor at second, and everything lines up beautifully. But, yeah, um, the, that's one of the puzzling questions over the last year and a half, I think, with this team is how, how they're operating with Giancarlo Stanton. They obviously know more than we do. You know, the training staff, the, the team doctors, Giancarlo himself, you know, the front office, they, they know more than we do with Giancarlo's situation. Um, but – when you see how they're handling, you know, a professional athlete who is, you know, a Hulk of an individual, you, you would expect more. So it's good to see him um, working his way back and hopefully he can stay with it when he gets back into the outfield. Yeah. A hundred percent. So do you think how much of that is sustainable? Like how much do you think they'd actually like put him out there? Like if they do decide to do this. I think, like anything, it's going to be a slow progression. Um, you know, they're targeting that Miami series. I guess, you know, they, they play three games there. They're, maybe he'll play two of the three games. Um, it, it's interesting because they'll have the games in Boston. I'm sure they're not going to keep him in the out or put him in the outfield for any of those games at, at Tropicana Field with the turf. But I think if, if all goes well, there's no reason to not have him out there routinely in August. You know, I mean, you, you look, if, if you play him for this stretch and may, maybe he's doing it three days a week, I think that's enough. Um, I, I think you should push it to the limit if the signs are encouraging. I think if, if he's shown showing that he could be an everyday outfielder, I don't know if they're necessarily going to, you know, test the limits that much to see if he can be an everyday left fielder. But I just think the way that, like we were mentioning, roster construction, I think it behooves all parties if Giancarlo Stanton can play every day in the outfield. You have to work your way up to that point. How quickly or how slowly they go about that, that's a, that's a question that we're going to find out from uh, from what's ahead of us. But, you know, when, when you have 
guys like Greg Allen and Esteban Floreal last few games doing what they're doing. And look, both guys, you know, a week from now, they could fizzle out. We don't know. That's what's cool about baseball. And, you know, then, then you, you see where you're at at that point. But, you know, Clint Frazier coming back with, with eye issues, head issues, um, you know, a hitter with eye issues is, is, is dicey there. Miguel Andujar has been shoehorned into left field. He's a guy without a position. When he's healthy, he hits for the most part, which is great. But um, overall, at this point in the season where you're at, I think you need to roll the dice, see how much you can get out of Stanton in the outfield, and take all of that. You know, squeeze every ounce out of that opportunity and work your way in with Allen and, and Floreal as well. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Grunt Talk Sports. Also have Grunt Talks Nation as well. Again, Grunt Talk Sports, Grunt Talks Nation, both of our YouTube channels. Now back to the show. Next week is a big week for everybody in baseball. It's the MLB trade deadline. So my question to you is, have you heard anything? And if you did, what do you think the Yankees might do at the deadline? I think it's a tough month and, and I was actually reading an article earlier and this was you know kind of the belief when you heard Brian Cashman talk about the the timetable of, of events over the MLB calendar over the last month you know he was talking about how trade talks really haven't popped and this was a few weeks ago but trade talks weren't really um, going on as aggressively as you may think because so many organizations were focused on the draft well the draft is passed now and talks are going to pick up plus teams are you know getting a better sense of their own reality where they are and, and what their identity is for this season so um I, th I think you know talks are percolating same same players that you know we're all hearing you know whether you want to point to you know the rockies trevor story john gray the marlins starling Marte, um you know the, the the twins you know they have a number of players who could be available buxton kepler Maybe Berrios, who knows, the Pirates have, you know, their their trade chips. Um, I, I think you're going to hear more of the same with those names. I think there's not going to be any team or any one player that's going to surprise you. Do I think a guy like Jose Ramirez is realistic, you know, for any team? If it, you know, what would it take for, you know, for a team like Cleveland to, to give away a player like that? Do I think, you know, the Yankees are going to dip their toes in those waters? No, I don't. Um, but it's more of the same players that everyone's hearing. I don't think there are any surprises right now. Okay. Yeah. Cause uh, what I did, Julian and I did a podcast last week and I, uh, I said that the Yankees, you know, what should entertain the option of bringing somebody like Anthony Rizzo in to play first base. Cause obviously, as you know, they're uh, definitely selling. So my question to you is if that due to Luke Voigt's injury history and some inconsistencies, do you think that the Yankees would even enter Brian Cashman would even entertain calling up the Cubs and saying, what would it take to bring Rizzo over here? I think he does that. I think he does his due diligence with pretty much every name under the sun. That could be a realistic scenario. You know, and, and that's, that's feasible. You know, Anthony Rizzo can be had. It's a matter of, you know, whether, the Yankees front office wants to turn that page from what they already have. And I, I think this is, this is something that has been proven time and time again. It takes a lot for the Yankees to sort of fall out of love with what they believe can take them to where they want to be. So that's going to be an aggressive page turn if they want to move on, especially in season, they want to move what? on from Luke Boyd and, and entertain what? a player like Anthony Rizzo. 
Yeah, that's a lot of stuff going on. Someone we've been focused on as well. I'm sure you've heard a bunch. Uh, Joey Gallo, I think, would be a great fit. I'm curious on your take on Gallo. And also, I've heard some things about Gibson and Ian Kennedy being attached. Could be possible. I think that could fill a few boxes. Um, I'm kind of looking for a move that fills more than one box, maybe. Like, get a player and a pitcher or something. Yeah, look, they, they need an outfielder, right? I think first and foremost, the ideal scenario is them getting a center fielder. Um, I, I don't know if you want to, you know, marry into the thought that Esteban Florial has shown, you know, a sustained, you know, enough su- sustainability for, for him to be the dude. Um, I think they want a more established guarantee, at least for this year. So, uh, you know, if you could package that with another pitcher, that's great. Gallo. I see what everyone is in love with, multiple positions. Obviously, he, you know, he can hit it out of any ballpark, but I feel like it is more of the same, and it's a lot of what fans are saying these last few days have, you know, kind of been polar opposite of. I think, I think Gallo is more of what we saw in the first half if you add him to this lineup. I think you need someone a little bit more – I don't want to say athletic because I think Gallo is that, but he needs to provide uh, another dimension in terms of his at-bat approach. So yeah, it's not the worst move in the world and, and it would be a good one, but if you could get someone who, you know, makes more solid contact and, you know, is able to go the other way, spray it a little bit. I know those guys are tough to find. Obviously the price would be high, but if you can identify a player like that, Personally, that's the way I would go. Obviously, Gallo is not a bad consolation. And the fact that I'm calling Joey Gallo a consolation, I kind of, you know, kind of says a lot about, you know, the uh, the state of, I think, the Yankees roster construction. I think it goes back to that. But I, I don't know if he is necessarily a perfect fit for what they need at this moment. I can understand that. I know he has his pros and cons. So you're looking for more of like an Adam Frazier type or even a Whit Merrifield, which they said could possibly be had. I don't think the Yankees go there really, but Adam Frazier could definitely be had. I would love to see a Whit Merrifield. Again, I think that comes down to the Royals saying yes or no. I don't know how much they need. You know, the Royals are a team that I want to see do well because they make a concerted effort to – to improve, you know, in the off season, they were signing free agents. They were, you know, they, the expectations were not very, very high. They, you know, they wanted to think that they could be around a 500 team, but for a, a ball club rebuilding, they kind of were doing it the old school way. It's not, you know, a complete tank job where they're, you know, you're, you're losing on purpose, so to speak. It feels like they were, doing the old school approach of, of getting back to, to where they would have wanted to be. Whit Merrifield's 32 years old. I don't know if he's going to be the player that they need him to be when they're ready to contend for a division title and, and, a, and a deep playoff run. So personally, I would cash in on him now. And if he's available, I think the price would be high. But I think that's a player that would be worth taking on. Obviously, you, you know, you haven't passed this year. He offers a lot. And I think he would do wonders in that lineup. He'd do wonders in any lineup. But I think it comes down to the Royals trying to figure out who exactly they are, where they where they see themselves in the short term. Because I don't think Whit Merrifield, again, 32 years old, is going to be the Whit Merrifield we know right now when the Royals are ready to try and compete for a World Series again. 
Absolutely. I think whatever the Yankees decide to do, um, I just want to see a move. Definitely they need to add at least something because what they have right now, what we've seen the first half of the year with the inconsistencies were so right-handed heavy. I think they need to definitely add a left field, uh, excuse me, left-handed bat. So with. No, I was just going to say, and and I think it's taken a lot, taken a lot of losing and a lot of inconsistency to a even, even, you know, from, from an organizational standpoint to kind of accept that. Because what, what were we hearing, you know, in May and even in late April, you know, these are the guys we're going to battle with. This is it. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, they, they've kind of conceded to the fact that, hey, you know, maybe maybe these aren't the guys. You, you, may, you may need a, an infusion of, of new talent, something different. So I think just getting to this point, it seems like a no-brainer, but if you think back to a couple of months ago, that kind of wasn't the case. They were pretty steadfast on this being the group. And, um, and that shift in thinking has, you know, has, has definitely developed, you know, over the course of, of May, June, and here in July. Absolutely. My question to you right now is in terms of our manager, uh, Aaron Boone, how do you think this year he's really handled the adversity? How do you think he's done so far? I think he's done the same thing that he's, that, you know, we saw him do in 2018, 2019, 2020. If you go back to the start of 2020 and now, yeah, you have a, you know, I don't know the exact record, but it's not too far above 500, but I don't think he's doing anything different than he was in his first two seasons. I think it comes down to the personnel on the field. Now, whether you want to say some players are being mismanaged from a guy like Labor Torres, maybe playing, at a position personally, I don't, I, I think he's made great improvements, great strides. I think for this immediate window, I'm not so sure, you know, the Yankees have the time to have Glaber Torres continue to learn at the shortstop position and get to where they want to be. So in terms of players being put in positions to succeed to the max, that's what I think you can question. But as far as Aaron Boone's personal performance, you know, maybe maybe there's a few spots in you know in bullpen management that you can kind of pick apart, but I think you could do that with any manager. And overall, I don't think he's doing anything different than he was, you know, the first few seasons in his time in New York. I don't think he's doing anything that the front office doesn't like him doing. So, um, I I don't see where there is a, a you know a big need for change at this moment. But hey. I mean, you're, you're going to be going into what's this now, you know, year four, if, if they don't make a big impact in the postseason, you know, if they don't win a World Series title, not too many Yankee managers over the you know course of time have a, you know, have a four year run in their uh, time as manager without a world championship and, and live to see year five. So I think it's a question that you got to revisit in October and, and see where we're at. Agree a hundred percent. I mean, he's had his faults, but he's been dealt a tough hand this year with some stuff. Sometimes we just feel like he can get more out of the guys. There's been some tough losing streaks, but I'm gonna go to um some current stuff now. I don't know if you have any updates, but as far as the COVID guys, like with Judge Gio Cortez, you know, Loisica, do you know where any of those guys are at? Like when they might return? Loisica, the only thing that's keeping him back, I think, is just getting loose again uh you know he had a bullpen yesterday he, i mean he missed a lot of time missed 10 days and that's a long time for a pitcher not to throw because again he couldn't work out when he was 
you know, quarantining and self-isolating. So I think it's a matter of just him getting loose. I think you could see him at some point this weekend in Boston, if not certainly, you know, down in Florida. Um, <laughs> with with the other guys, you know, Nestor Cortez and, and Wandy Peralta, I don't think they're too far behind either. We know that some players, and this is what's tough because you don't, you don't have all the information. You don't know who specifically was experiencing what symptoms, so it's tough to say. But, you know, from everything that we're being told as far as updates on the daily, guys are feeling well. You, you would have to think that it, it wouldn't be more than 10 days for everyone. Otherwise, we would, we would hear that. It's just okay. a question of so – it's just a question of whether or not – so you have those first three that – you have Loisaga, obviously. You see where he's at. He's back with the team. You know, there's Cortez and Peralta in their own little vehicle. And then you have the other three, Higashioka, Urshela, and Judge. The question that, you know, I don't think has been answered is that they were basically, you know, taken away from the team on that Thursday coming out of the All-Star break. They were officially placed on the COVID injury list on that Friday. So, you know, is it 10 days from that Friday? Is it 10 days from that Thursday? That's the big question. But again, you don't know who was experiencing symptoms because we were told they're all feeling, you know, overall fairly well, nothing too serious, but they were having symptoms. So um, it's, it, it's still a situation that's pretty fluid. You don't know exactly where each individual is at. You would hope it's just 10 days and that's it. But, you know, I, I think you would need a, a few days to get that cardio back going. Um, for anyone who, you know, who had, has had COVID, even, you know, in a mild case, I think it, it definitely messes up with your cardio. So it, it might not be, you know, a quick 10 days and boom, they're back in the lineup. It may be a situation where, you know, they're working out with the team for a few days. Maybe, maybe they play like half a game when they get back in. It's, it's tough to say right now. I think, I think we're too, I think we're still too early to get concrete information on, on when those guys can definitely be back on an everyday basis. Right. It's just a lot of juggling the rotation. We saw Wojnarowski start yesterday, which no one wanted to see, obviously. Um, with all due respect to him, that's like the last guy he wanted on the mound yesterday. The Yankees somehow get the win against all odds, all that weird stuff that happened yesterday. So I'm going to ask some roster questions. I'm assuming Woj gets sent down. Uh, maybe Nick Nelson after what we saw. I know uh, Kyle Holzer maybe, but I forgot the name. But it's the guy that plays shortstop at AAA, so maybe he'll come up. I don't know what you think they might do with like the new roster moves for like today or like series or something. We hope you're enjoying the show so far. Follow us on Instagram at Grunt Talks Team, Twitter Grunt Talks MLB, and Grunt Talks NFL. Again, Instagram Grunt Talks Team, Twitter Grunt Talks MLB, and Grunt Talks NFL. Now back to the show. That's a good question. Um, it really did feel like Wojciechowski was a one and done type scenario. Um, I- I'm curious to see what they do with that. And I don't know if they're going to, you know, maybe perhaps, I mean, he, he did pitch out of the bullpen in Scranton. I don't know if they, you know, they wait till, you know, keep him on and they always want that extra arm. Right. So maybe keep him on until Loisica is ready to be activated. I'm not sure. Um, it, it felt like Loisica, you know, talking on the field yesterday after his bullpen seems like he's ready to roll. Is it going to be on, you know, the, the first game of this series in Boston? I don't know, but I think he's he's fairly close to returning. It's just a matter of when. 
Uh, I don't know if we'll see a roster move at the very start of this series, maybe towards the middle when they're in Boston. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if if that's the case where you see Loiza coming back on and Wojciechowski going out. Uh, you know, this time yesterday, the, the, the series finale with the Phillies, I thought Wojciechowski was going to be one and done. So um, I think you're still in wait and see mode. Absolutely. So playing going up to Boston this this uh, series going up there. How big of a series do you think this is? Because you know the Yankees have won a few games. They're going to really need this. So how big do you think this is? I think it's everything. Um, you know, eleven of their first thirteen games out of the break are going to be against Boston and Tampa Bay. They're in that stretch right now. There was a lot of talk of like, hey, the Yankees need to at least go you know eight and three or, or whatever the number is that. Well. So far, they're keeping up their end of the bargain, right? They, they win a series against Boston. They take two out of three. They sweep the Phillies. I think you need to make a serious dent this weekend. I think you need to win at least three. If for anything else, just to put it into the Red Sox minds that, hey, this is another team that's you know that we haven't put to sleep completely for this season. So obviously it's for their own, you know, their own spirit, but you, you, you need it. You need – I, in my opinion, at least three games in Fenway Park. And then you can't forget about the race. They're right, they're right there as well. Um, at, yet, you know, at the bare minimum, you need to win the series with the race. But uh, it's about winning series at this point, every series that you can play against your division opponents. But for this specific weekend with the Red Sox, minimum in my eyes, three out of four. And then with the race, minimum, you have to win the series. Absolutely, yeah. I agree. You know, um, with everything on the line, have to definitely do that. So in terms of um, what you've seen since the the All-Star break, do you see a sense of urgency with this Yankees team? Because as we've seen the first half of the year, it seems like they were not having fun. Really, there was like no fun in aspect of it. Yeah, it's back. I feel like for whatever reason, there is a different type of energy the last few games. I think you can point to Rugnet Odor's play really improving because he's kind of all over that place uh, in terms of, you know, being being the dude in the dugout, being the dude on the field. It's weird because every I feel like Yankee fans, they always want to try and find, all right, who's the, you know, who's the 2021 version of, of Todd Frazier, Andrew McCutcheon, or, you know, Cameron Mabin, Eric Kratz, who's that guy? We always look for that anointment uh, each season now. And he's like, Rugnet Odor, the dude now? I think he's playing like it. So um, I think his improved play, Glaber's resurgence at the plate, he's swinging the bat a lot better. If, if he can keep that going, that is huge for the Yankees for the second half of the season. Uh, Gary Sanchez is is swinging, is, is making great contact. There's there's no doubt about it. It may not uh, produce results. You know, the, the, the hits may not find the grass, but he's making solid contact. So as long as he's not steering away from that approach, I think that is, is massive as well. DJ LeMay continues to trend up. So things are, are going right. And then when you mix them with the applied pressure on the base path that a guy like Greg Allen can bring. And what we've seen from Esteban Florial, quality at bats from the left side of the plate. It's a nice little potion here that, that we're seeing. So it's uh it's a new dynamic that a team like the Red Sox has to prepare for. The Rays haven't seen it yet. That's what makes this next 10 day stretch or so pretty interesting. 
a big point in the season. This series is critical, like you said. It might even determine. I don't think they're going to sell at this point. I think they made it very clear in the buyer's market, even if things go the wrong way. But if they have a good series against the Red Sox, it just, it just incentivizes them more to buy because they'll be close to only be five games out from them, potentially. The wild cards are three and a half. And I actually said another reason why this is important, even without the Red Sox in the picture, if you split the series, it's just like a waste of four games. You could potentially lose ground in the wild card hunt also. Yeah, I think I think those teams that you're also chasing the wild card, I think, you know, the A's, the Mariners, in my opinion, it was funny because when the A's came to the stadium last month, I thought they were like the best team that the Yankees had played up until that point in 2021. Um, I don't I no longer think that. I really believe that the A's and the Mariners are inferior clubs to the Yankees. I think over time, they'll be able to pass those teams. I think you're going to see three teams come out of the AL East and go to the postseason, whether that is, you know, the Red Sox and the Rays and, and the Yankees, the Yank, you know, or the Blue Jays. I think Blue you're going to see three postseason teams coming out of the AL East this year. And, you know, a lot of these teams, they're looking for the same thing with the trade deadline coming. So it's a matter of who's going to pony up the most for the uh, for the asking prices from some of these sellers. It's going to be interesting to see that. I think for the Yankees, they kind of go into this trade deadline not looking for quick fixes. I think they're going to be looking for assets that can help them, obviously, down this stretch, but also controllable pieces that they can take into next year. So, you know, maybe uh, – yeah. You know, Rugnet, I keep going back to Rugnet Odor. It, it's it's a different circumstance because, you know, the Rangers are paying his entire salary. He's going to be here next year, right? Like Rugnet Odor, a year from now, will be on this Yankees roster. But overall, trying to fix the roster construction issues that a lot of people are seeing, I think they're going to try and address it as much as they can over the next week or so. Take care of the rest during the offseason. But with with everything, I think you're looking at pieces that can not only help them now in August and September and hopefully in October, but also in 2022. I do agree about the controllable pieces. I've heard some things that they're not looking for rentals per se. So I guess that lines up with everything. Now I have a question about Severino and Kluber. So I saw Severino throw his rehab in Brooklyn. And unfortunately, he popped the groin. So what do you think of realistic timetables for both of them to possibly be back? Severino, I I would think any, you know, if he can come back at some point in August that, you know, at this point, the Yankees will take it. Kluber starting a bullpen coming up tomorrow, probably in September. And, you know, you're in terms of being glass half full. I think that's a good situation. If, if Kluber, you know, if, if he feels healthy and he's throwing well, that's not too bad. You don't have too many miles from this season that are on his arm. So if he could find that rhythm when he comes back and, you know, be the Kluber that you kind of saw. Not, not, you know, he doesn't have to be, you know, the no hitter in Texas type of Corey Kluber, but working the sides of the plate, getting that command down. If, if he's able to work that in September and the Yankees are in a good spot, you can look at this team a whole lot different. And then, you know, for Severino it's a little bit different in my eyes, at least I feel like anyone who comes back from Tommy John surgery, I think the first 15 to 20 starts that they make, you, you, you know, they kind of have to be a watch. You kind of have to let them find their way back at first and, and work off the rust and, 
you know, see what works, you know, coming off that surgery. I think Jamison Tyone, it took him, you know, 16, 17 starts before you're seeing what he's been able to do. Obviously he's changed certain things up. He's incorporated, you know, more pitches. Now he's expanding his mix. He's keeping hitters guessing in that regard, but you know, it took him this long to get to that point. Um, with, you know, with Jordan Montgomery, we saw kind of the same thing. He'd, he'd be hot and cold. For the most part, I think he's pitching better than the statistics say he has. Right. Um, you know, he gives up gives up a lot of soft contact. There's a lot of infield singles that yep. ultimately, like the you know opponents are finding a way to come in to score. It's frustrating, but I think he's pitching pretty good. Um, so and, you know, those are two examples of of many that I could point to, and you know, with with guys coming back from Tommy John, and those first 15 starts are ones that I don't think you can necessarily put in. You know, they're they're not money in the bank, so. You hear a lot about, and I'm just saying this because it's so close to the Yankees, but you hear a lot about Chris Sale's progress with Tommy John. You know, Chris Sale's, you know, a, a different different breed. But at the same time, Tommy John is Tommy John. Um, I'm not, you know, if, if I'm a Red Sox fan, I can't put too much stock in in someone like Chris Sale coming I back agree. and thinking that they could, you know, he can elevate them to a whole other level. Could it happen? Sure. But I'm not betting the house on that. And, and unfortunately, with Luis Severino, I'm not going to have sky high expectations either. I still think anything he can give you that is a net gain is a positive for this season, but I, I wouldn't expect it. I, you know, I, at the very worst, I'd like to just see him pitching games where he's given the Yankees chances to win. And that's really it. And, and hopefully, you know, you're able to focus on bigger things in 2022. Well, I agree a hundred percent. So one of my last questions for you is, Within this next few series, what do you? What is your prediction? The Yankees go, in your opinion? I think they have a chance, and you know, if you want to put a record on it, yeah, I'll bold. I'll, I'll be bold. I like the I like the storyline, the narrative of this season, and I, you know, let them take three out of four in Boston. They're playing, they're playing three in Tampa Bay. I believe three so. Or four. Yeah. All right, so take three out of four in Boston. Take. Sweep the race. How about we do that? You know, oh, wow. a little, tri- little triumph at Tropicana Field. And then, um, you know, pound the Marlins into the ground. So you have, at that point, what, seven straight series wins. Um, one loss on this road trip. And they come back for, for the uh, for the Orioles at the stadium first week of August with, you know, probably new names in the lineup. Um, I, w- I want to see this. I'm, I'm all for drama, man. Um, I, I love, I love the juicy storylines. I want to, you know, I want to see this happen. So at this point, right. You see them underperform. You've seen some pretty devastating losses. You've seen oh, yeah. some gut wrenching results. Now you kind of, kind of trend back in the other direction and see where it goes. So, um, let, let, let's go with that one loss on this road trip. That's it. And, uh, and, and then by the time they get back to Yankee stadium for the, uh, for the Orioles and the Mariners, They'll be able to, you know, put Seattle in the rearview mirror for good, and and things get interesting in the ALEs. I love to How's hear that. that. I, I, I that was That's great. Cool. I like it. I like that <laughs> a lot. You know, let's hope let's hope that happens. Absolutely. I uh, couldn't agree more. I agree with you 100, percent Justin. I like riding. I like the way this lineup's riding right now. Um, I'm and Greg Allen is such an endearing player. You know, if you you hear the way he, you know, he speaks and interacts during, you know, these Zooms and then everything he's able to provide in terms of covering small details on the bases. 
he played for um, he played for Tony Gwynn in college uh, over in San Diego, and you can see some of that endearing personality that Tony Gwynn you know had just in terms of being that you know around a baseball diamond all the time. You kind of see that have you know has kind of rubbed off on Greg Allen. So he's just an endearing dude, and you you know you hope that type of energy continues to be infectious for this lineup going forward. So um, I, I I like their chances right now. All right. So I guess one last thing I'll ask is about pitching and the Rawls is Chapman. So what's going on with that fingernail? It seems to be a lingering issue. Yesterday we see he's struggling with it. You know, the command's still not all there. He's starting to show signs coming back, but then he's, he's making us very nervous at this point. I don't know how they're like, I don't know what's going on with that. I want to see it, man. Uh, it's got to be some gnarly finger issue, right? And uh, it, this is going to be an interesting area because, look, you know, we, we have, you know, we all get blisters and paper cuts or whatever on our fingers. And, you know, they like they heal at like a glacial pace, right? So the only way I think for it, for that to fully heal is to obviously not pick up a baseball and throw. You can't have that right now. You have to, you have to truck through. There's obviously a way to treat it. The staff's going to be doing that. Um, but it, you know, you could tell it was bothering him, but then he, you know, he buckled down and, um, I forget the batter in, in the Phillies finale. I mean, he was able to, you know, the power through finish the inning, strike a guy out. And, um, so he's shown that it, you know, he can overcome it, but it's gotta be painful. Other things, you know, we've seen a role as Chapman, uh, over the course of his Yankee career, you know, kind of go through two, three week stretches where, He's kind of lost his rhythm, whether it's in his delivery and it's cost, you know, cost him to, to miss the plate. He's always come out of it. You know, the same dominant reliever. I think it's the same thing. I think a little bit has been made about the correlation between him and the crackdown on the sticky stuff. I don't think it's necessarily so much about that, but it could play, you know, it could have played a part for sure. Um, I think he's just falling out of rhythm at a real inopportune time for this team. It's definitely cost some wins, which is unfortunate, but, you know, all, all the more to make up and, and uh, come out in the second half of the season. But I, I, I think that's been the issue. How you treat this, this finger issue is, uh, is going to be tough because obviously it's, uh, it's a pitcher's moneymaker there. So it's all about how they can have that heal as quickly as possible. Um, but when I think about that, I'm like, man, the yes camera, like you got to zoom in on, you got to, you got to, you got to see it. We got to see how, how gruesome this is. Um, and uh, it's, I guess it's not a blister. It's a, some type of fingernail issue. I remember like Dylan Batances having the same thing a few years ago. His was, was really nasty because he would just keep wiping his pant, uh, his pant leg. And you could literally see the blood on his white uniform. And we saw that from Chapman a few weeks ago, but um, those injuries are, are pretty disgusting. So I don't know how you how you heal that as, as quickly yeah. as possible. It's just a weird thing. Brother, do you have any more questions? I, I think I'm good. Yeah, I, we got everything out of Justin for everything I wanted to ask. So, Justin, you're my man. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank I got you, Bob. One more Thank quick, you. if you don't mind. Um, yeah, what's do up? You, do you think that they would go over to tax if the opportunity presented itself? Or do you think they're going to try to, like, move a Frazier or, like, a Wilson and maybe open up some room and, like, keep themselves under? Based on what we've seen, I think they're going to make the moves that keep them under for this season. Okay. I think 
I think that you're gonna, you know, probably see them if, if they if look if we've seen it time and again. If the Yankees like a certain free agent, if they really like it, they're gonna go get them. Um, but right now, I think they're gonna try and make that considered effort to stay back. If there is a real opportunity to improve the team significantly, where you have to go over, I wouldn't be shocked if they do that either. But in terms of you know fixing the margins for this roster, I think like you're talking about, maybe trading a guy, offset some salary, things like that. The thing with Wilson is interesting because I see where you're going with that. He's slowly coming around though. Um, he's pitching a little bit better. And if you're going to continue to build that, that's a weapon in the bullpen for sure. So um, it that also presents a, a different wrinkle there what you do. And, and again, there's not much time left. So, uh, you know, if you're the Yankees, do you buy into that? Do you buy into yeah. the, the, the improvements you're seeing from him with pitch to pitch, you know, the results maybe not be there, but look, the results right now aren't there with Zach Britton. He's got to work his way back. I think the same case could be made for Justin Wilson coming back from his, uh, from his hamstring injuries. Like these are questions that need to be answered within days. So uh, it makes it fun. Add to the drama, right? It's a lot of stuff to evaluate a short time period and the decisions yeah. could be do or die for the whole season. <laughs> this next week is going to be crucial, but this is my favorite time of year. I love all this activity and movement, all these buying, selling things like it's going to be fun. And Justin, thank you so much. This was an awesome podcast. Thank you so much, Justin. Thanks for having me on again, guys. I appreciate it. No problem. Absolutely. We'd love to talk to you in the future as well. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for everything.